The scripture for today's sermon comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. The word of God speaks to us. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God to us. Well, good morning. If you're new or visiting, uh, my name is Bryce Johnson. I am uh, a pastoral resident here, and it is a joy and honor to be here with you guys. Before I get started, just want to go ahead and thank um, Will Gaines and JJ Side for being here. Um, Will is at Frontline Church South, and JJ's at Frontline Edmond. Um, and, and so if you don't know, we are one church uh, in across five congregations, and so one of the great gifts we have is is we get to um, worship and have uh, these men, elders, pastors who are shepherding our body, come join us from time to time. And so it's a great gift. If you haven't had a chance to meet them, highly recommend it. They're great guys. Um, I'll do that. If you have a, a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and open to First Corinthians chapter twelve. If you don't have a copy of the scripture, uh, it'll be on the screen, but you can also go to the table in the back. We have Bibles for you. We'd love for you to grab one that is our gift to you. While you're going there, um, I remember a few years ago having a conversation with a girl, and she was telling me, telling me about her family, and come to find out that she's a Christian. And so I asked her, oh, where, where, where do you go to church? And she said, well, we don't really go to church. And I said, okay. Uh, well, how come? And she said, "Well, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of kids, uh, and and it takes a while. And besides, it's just God knows our heart. We love Jesus, and so we really don't need to be at church on Sunday mornings because we can just worship at home." And I remember something at that time, just feeling off of like, how does this, how does this work? And 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 we're gonna be talking towards that point today. We're, we're gonna be discussing what it looks like to be part of a church, specifically church membership. For the last several weeks, we've been in a series we've called Rhythms of Grace. And, 
we've done, what we've done is looked at historic practices that Christians throughout the years, uh, throughout the centuries, um, Christians have observed and the church continues to observe. They continue to do their practices through which God imparts his grace to his people. There are practices or, or rhythms that tune our hearts to what, what God would have for us. And they help guard us from the ways in which the world is actually deforming us. And they help form and shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. And the rhythms of grace, not because they're, they're things that we have to do so that God would stay pleased with us, but they're invitations to actually receive grace from God and to grow in love and maturity. So last week, we looked at Scripture, and we saw how Scripture is actually God's revelation to us. It's God revealing himself to us. It's an invitation to know God deeply. And this week, we're looking at church membership. And that may throw some of you off, because when you think of church membership, you don't think spiritual discipline, right? Or you don't think of uh, it as a means of grace. In fact, we often think of church membership in, in one of a few buckets. One, don't care. Two, it's just it's, a, it's something that Christians are supposed to do, right? Like you you go to church somewhere and you become a me- member because that's what Christians are supposed to do. And so um, you're part of just another organization. You're part of the PTA. You're part of the YMCA. You're part of the softball team, and you're part of the church, right? You're you're, you're a member there. For some of us, it, it carries weight and baggage because of our past, because you've been hurt and abused by churches and church leaders, and so membership actually feels like a power move to you. And for still some others, you, you wonder why we even have membership, right? Because, because there's not a verse in the Bible that says, be ye a member of a local church, and so why are we even talking about it on Sunday? And we want to dive into all of that this morning. We're going to be exploring this messy thing called church membership because we actually believe it's a means of grace by which God grants us more of himself. We're also looking at membership specifically today because we're about to enter into a month, uh, the month of July, where we ask our current members to prayerfully consider whether the Lord is calling them to be members here again for, for another year. It's our membership renewal time. And so we want to look at, hey, what does the Bible actually call us to? What is the invitation? Um, And how do we step towards that? In the passage uh, Emily read for us this morning, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to a specific local church, and it's the church at Corinth. And it's got a lot of issues if you've ever read 1 Corinthians. But one of the specific issues, uh, the issue that's uh, at play in our text this morning, is that the believers at this church were trying to actually one-up each other in the areas of spiritual gifts. So they're trying to outdo one another. And Paul is actually writing to express the unity that Christians actually have, the unity and the nature of the church. And so he uses this metaphor of the body and describes how we're all supposed to relate to one another with each believer being um, like a member or an organ or a limb of the body. And the metaphor of the body is one of the most profound and essential metaphors we have to understand the church. In fact, it's so profound that Christians started using it around the 12th century, started using the word member as a way to describe those who were part of the body of Christ. It's actually where we get the term membership. And so this morning, we're going to look at how Paul describes those who are members of the local church and why that actually matters. And here's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see that church membership is an invitation 
to live and grow in grace, right? Church membership is an invitation to live and grow in grace. It's an invitation to belong. It's an invitation to live counterculturally. And it's an invitation to participate. It's, it's grace from the Lord. It's grace that we show one another. And it's actually grace that guards us. So if you ever have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So the first point is that church membership is an invitation to belong. Right? Church membership is an invitation to belong. All the members of the body belong to the same body. And maybe you're looking at me thinking, well, duh, of course. But that's what he's saying, because they're all connected in such a way that there's life and growth and flourishing. We all have a desire to belong, don't we? It feels like a, a fundamental human longing to have a community of people that accepts us and loves us and that we can laugh with and share stories with and share life with. It's, it's one of the reasons why we love TV shows, especially, and movies that, that depict this. So I'm, I'm going to play a game here. I'm going I'm to sing a jingle uh, of, 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 uh, of a TV show, and you finish it, all right? Sometimes you want to go, nobody knows your name. Half this room did not understand that. They're like, what, what, what is going on? Cheers, cheers. Um, or, I'll be there for you, because you're there for me too. Right? Like, we, we, we know this. We love these shows. Partly, <laughs> someone's upset here, partly because of what it depicts. Or one of my current favorite shows, Stranger Things, right? You've you got this group of misfit kids, and they, they have this bond. And then they actually become friends with even people outside of their circle. And we love stories of belonging because we have that desire even within ourselves to want to belong to a place and to a people. Church membership is actually an invitation to belonging, but, but it's so much more than that. Because it's an invitation to actually join yourself to something larger than yourself, to join yourself to a community of faith that's seeking to glorify Jesus and make much of his name. It's to say, I belong here and I'm part of what God is doing here. And listen, if you're an active member of a church, you actually belong to a body. In fact, to take the metaphor of body and limbs a step further, what's a member or a limb or an organ without a body? It's dead, right? If, if you were to walk out these doors onto Main Street and you saw an arm detached to a body or an eyeball or a kidney, you would scream, right? You would say, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> this is not how it's supposed to be. Where's the rest of it? Because we know that fundamentally, apart from a body, limbs don't survive. Apart from being tethered to a local church, Listen, there is real spiritual death. So the question, why is it so important to belong to a people, specifically to a local church? Why can't I just be on my own? I think part of it is because we fundamentally misunderstand what Jesus came for. Jesus came to build his church. When Jesus started his ministry... He starts off by showing up at a synagogue, and he opens it and reads a scroll, and, and he says, uh, he starts by preaching, uh, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God among people. And then after his resurrection, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, go and tell other people, make more disciples, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Because Jesus came to create a people. Jesus saves you and me, but not just to himself, not just so that we go to heaven when we die, but he saves us so that we might become a people, so that we might become tethered to one another. In fact, that's the pattern that we see in the New Testament. Those who are saved by Jesus were saved into a community. They're saved with other people, into a local church. There are no Lone Ranger Christians doing life with just them and Jesus in the New Testament. They belong to a body. I I love how Titus 2 says it. Titus 2 says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, which we know, right? To redeem us from sin and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. He came to save us from sin and he came to make us a people for himself. Jesus' church consists of people who have been saved from the kingdom of darkness, forgiven of their sins, reconciled to God. And yes, Jesus did die to save you from your sins, but he did that so that you would be part of this new community called the church that's called to live as redeemed people in the world, bringing the kingdom of God where they are. And the local church is an expression of this new community of people. It's a body that's growing and flourishing and glorifying Jesus where they are. See, local church is primarily where you get to live out the commands of Scripture and what, what Jesus has called us to. It's where we show grace to one another. Did you know, this? Did you know that there are 59 one another verses in the New Testament? So one another verses are verses where we're commanded to do something to one another, right? So love one another, devote yourself to one another, um, show grace to one another, confess your sins to one another, exhort one another. Friends, let me ask you a question. With, how do you obey these commandments without a church body you belong to? How do you do that? Do you, do you confess your sins to the cashier at Chick-fil-A because you assume that she's a Christian? Close on Sunday? <laughs> do, do you exhort Christians on Twitter? Side note, that's never a good idea. <laughs> no edification that happens on Twitter. Church membership actually provides the context for you and I to live out this vision of following Jesus. See, it's as we meet together on Sundays, but then also meet together in community groups throughout the week and, and, and fellowship with one another and live on mission with one another and covenant our lives to one another, that we can walk out what the Bible calls us to, to live as people transformed by the kingdom of God. And, and it's a grace to protect us Listen to what Paul says, continuing on, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. See, there are two dangers that membership actually guards us or protects us from. One is living your life independent of the body. Remember, there there are no Lone Ranger Christians. Second is, it protects us from the lies of the enemy that would cause us to think that we're alone, or isolated, or rejected, or unloved. 
And if you're anything like me, there are moments where you definitely feel that way, don't you? I'm not, I'm not sure if I belong here. I, I'm not sure if I'm like them or, or if they like me. I, I'm not sure if I'm loved or if I'm known. And hear me, that, that's what the enemy actually wants you to believe. He wants to isolate you because he's a predator, and that's what predators do. They isolate the individual from the flock, pull you away to cause you to feel disconnected. He whispers lies into your ears about our worth and our value and our love. And friends, hear me. It's precisely in those moments that we counteract the lies of the enemy with the truth of Scripture. Now, I do belong here. No, I do, I am a part of this body. My family and I felt this profoundly uh, about a year ago. We moved here in January of 2021. We uprooted our lives. We drove 400 miles, crossed the state line, and we planted our lives here. And not too long after that, we had the roughest stretch that we've ever had in our family. Within the matter of 30 days, my wife, very unexpectedly lost her dad. I ended up in the ER, um, and we miscarried our son. We had, we had just left everyone and everything we had known, known not, just for the, not just for the entirety of our marriage, but for much of our lives. And we were amongst a new people, people that, that we liked and loved, but I remember thinking so many times, God, if this was going to happen, why didn't this happen in Austin? Why are we around a bunch of people that we're still trying to get to know? God, are we even loved here or known here? And it was in the midst of that pain and sorrow that members of this church came around us and just enveloped us in love. With, with meals and mowing our lawn and acts of service and words of encouragement and sitting with us in silence and praying and sending us scripture and reminding us of gospel truth and, and loved us in such a way that exceeded anything that, honestly, we would have ever imagined. We still talk, to, talk about it to this day. In such a way that communicated that we indeed were part of this same body. This church membership is a grace of God because it actually provides us space and context for you to root your life. It's not just, it's not just a collection of friends, though. This is not just a place where you just hang out with your best friends, which leads me to my next point. The church membership is an invitation to countercultural living. Church membership is an invitation to countercultural living. See, as our, as our culture becomes increasingly polarized, we've, we've started siloing off into groups of people who think and act just like us. And so we're segregated, not, not primarily by gender or necessarily race, but by ideological differences and partisanship. We actually worry whether we can be friends and associate with someone who thinks differently than us about our religion or the flag or public education or social justice, or guns, or insert policy of your choice. In fact, these days, it seems like you can be friends with anyone except with someone across the political aisle. But hear me, look at what the Bible 
says is true about those who are in Christ. Verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. In other words, the gospel actually tears down what otherwise might seem like boundaries we can't cross. And the gospel doesn't just tear it down, it actually unites us with those who are not like us and calls us to live together in love. I mean, look at what Paul says. He says, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Meaning that in this Corinthian church, you had different cultures and ethnicities, you had different classes and socioeconomic statuses, all worshiping together and living in community with one another. And, and it's not just, they're not just like under the same roof as if that was the end goal. It's not like, okay, you get them all in the same place. They were a body together. So can you imagine what the Jewish Christian's neighbor were saying to her? You're going to go hang out with those pagan Gentiles on Sunday? Why? Can you imagine what the freemen, what the free person's friends were saying? Why in the world would you hang out with those slaves? Why? Friends, what would compel these folks to not only meet together, but to belong to one another? another, to break bread and have meals within each other's homes regularly, except something that actually transcended their culture and status. These past few years, I've seen Christians break fellowship with one another and leave churches because they voted for a different political party or supported certain public policy or social issues or political candidates. And at times, listen, we look no different from the world who draws up such lines of separation. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says that there's something more true about us. It says that the most true thing about us is that you've been baptized into Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the most true thing about you. I've been reminded lately about two of Jesus' disciples, Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. And those terms don't mean too much to us right now, but, but the Zealots were this religious group within Judaism that sought to overthrow the Roman government, and they wanted to do it by violent means. And tax collectors were actually seen as traitors to their own people because they were Jews who worked for the Roman government to exploit their own people. So Zealots and tax collectors were on opposite ends of the political spectrum. Imagine, picture far right and far left. And yet both Matthew and Simon submitted their partisanship and worldview when they met Jesus and bowed their knee to his kingdom. But they didn't just overlook their differences. They became friends and brothers. These guys spent the vast majority of three and a half years together. Can you imagine what their friends and family said when they found out that Simon the zealot and Matthew, the tax collector, were now not just friends, but worshiping together and following Jesus together? Imagine the ridicule and mockery they would have received. And yet they found something even more compelling. Because Jesus is more beautiful and compelling than anything that might separate us. Friends, we're, we're called to show hospitality and love to all people. 
The local church is where we readily get to live that reality out week in and week out. So hear me, it shouldn't surprise you that your church has people different from you, voted differently than you did, who do things that you would never do. And this is why church membership is actually a grace from the Lord because it's an invitation to live out the reconciling nature of the gospel and be united with people you might not otherwise ever interact with. To actually push us past worldly boundaries and see people who've been baptized into Christ and filled with the Spirit of God. See, we're, we're part of something where arms and toes and spleens and kidneys and eyeballs are all part of the same body. It's an invitation to show grace to one another. See, the world says, hey, that person over there, that, that's other. And so you could hold them at arm's length. Jesus says, I lay down my life for them too, so that you can lay down your life for one another. It's in the context of the local church that you and I regularly remind ourselves and display to the world that we're not defined primarily by our race or our culture or gender or sexuality or political party or whether we cheer for OU or OSU. Which, by the way, both are wrong. Hook them. Church membership guards us from the tendency to drift to people who look and think and act like us. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you and I are going to spend an eternity, an eternity with people that are different from us, who our friends and family and society would mock us for affiliating with. Church membership is actually a countercultural invitation to start doing that right now. Right now. Which leads me to my last point. Church membership is an invitation to participate. Church membership is an invitation to participate. One of the highest values of our day is consumerism. Right? So in other words, we make our decisions not based on what's available or necessarily what's wise, but what suits us and our needs and our wants. And as soon as it doesn't meet our standards, we look elsewhere. And we've carried that mindset even into the church, haven't we? We often look at a church as a good to be consumed to meet our preferences. And so we want to know, well, what's the worship like? Or what kind of songs do they sing? Or, or what's the preaching like? What's the kids' ministry like? Do they have a singles ministry? Do they have marriage ministry? Do they have insert ministry of your choice? And as soon as the church stops being what I want it to be, I'll cancel my membership and take my talents elsewhere. There's this really poignant section in Screwtape Letters. Screwtape Letters written by C.S. Lewis, and they're essentially, they're fictional, but it's, it's one demon writing to another demon, and, and it, here's what he says. He says, surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The search for a suitable church makes the man a critic, but the enemy, God, wants him to be a pupil. Friends, have we become critics of style and structure? Do we chase the church that suits us best until the church does something we dislike and, and we're off to search for the next best thing? Instead of the church being a place where we take, the Bible invites us actually into active participation. Look again with me, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, 
nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In other words, what Paul tells us is that the eye doesn't say to the hand, hey, you're, you're not any use to me, so you can go ahead and bounce. Can you imagine if the nose said to the body, listen, I'm going to stop doing my job until armpit gets his act together and starts smelling like Chanel number no, five. No, right? Because each member is part of the body, and even though they're different, they can all do what God has actually created them to do. Frontline, do you see how this is actually a grace from the Lord Church membership? Is a grace that guards us from treating the church as a commodity to be consumed and invites us to take our eyes off ourselves. And it's an invitation to actually get in the fight. The consumerism will keep us on the sidelines. But the invitation to see how and where God has gifted you and to jump in. So, so here, here the invitation. Jump in. Jump into serving on one of our teams. We've got set up a hospitality team that, that's set up and tear down every week. We've got a kids team. We've got worship and sound. Jump into one of our teams. Jump into one of our community groups as an active participant. Maybe pray to see if the Lord might be leading you to be an apprentice or to lead a group of your own. Jump in by identifying how and where God has gifted you and bringing that to the table. Listen, we need all of who you are in Christ. Jump in by initiating. The scripture tells us that something happens when you and I walk out our God-given gifting in the local church. In Ephesians 4, Paul uses the metaphor of the body again. He loves the metaphor of the body. And listen to what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 15. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, listen, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, when church members come together and work together for the flourishing of the kingdom of God, we actually grow, not necessarily numerically because that's not the end goal, but we grow in love and maturity like any healthy thing does. We grow into who God has called us to be. Friends, what would it look like if we didn't come here looking to have our needs met, but as a community to pour out our lives and participate in life together? So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Mark Sayers is a, is a pastor and author, and he's got this book called The Superior Church, and he's, he's got this section that I think is so profound, and I can't say it any more profound, so I'm just going to read it. In an age that encourages maximum autonomy and the transgressing of limitations, perhaps we need to see the institution of church as a spiritual discipline. We get the idea that making the choice to wake up early and read our Bibles or to commit to regularly giving away our money to a charity or to fast may not always be pleasurable, but in the discipline of these things that we become more Christ-like. And yet, we expect church to always be pleasurable, enriching, and exciting. 
Maybe the limitations of church, the discipline of regular attendance, the commitment it requires also teach us to be Christ-like. Maybe we need to reimagine church in our minds as a spiritual discipline, which teaches us the value of delayed gratification, of personally investing in change, of becoming more like Jesus. Friends, maybe we need to start recovering a more true picture of church and church membership. Here's the thing. Maybe you're all thinking it. Probably all experienced it. It's actually really hard. It's, it's often hard to feel like you belong. It's frustrating to live in community with people you differ with. And it's difficult and inconvenient and uncomfortable to be rooted in a local church. It's difficult when the church and her leaders aren't perfect and let you down. And, and, and hear me as a leader in this church, this church will inevitably let you down. But here's what we know is true. There is no perfect church, no perfect community group. There's no perfect pastors. There's no perfect member. There's certainly no perfect you or I. We're all broken and busted, sinful people who have been saved and redeemed by Jesus, yes, but are still being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And there won't be perfect community or perfect, you know, there won't be perfect community until Jesus comes back and makes all, I was about to say perfect church, but the new heavens and new earth, there is no church. That's another sermon. There won't be perfect community until Jesus comes back and makes all things new. And so can I implore you to persevere? Hear me, not, not, to, not to overlook things or to be silent, but to come alongside us and persevere. There's something so valuable in persevering. My wife and I bought, bought a house, uh, and it's, it's got these beautiful two, it's got a lot of trees, but it's got these two large trees, one in the front yard and one in the backyard. And, and these leaves, this tree just spreads out its branches, and it just covers the whole yard, and they're beautiful. It provides shade, and it's wonderful. And come and find out the tree was planted in 1983. And so it's had almost 40 years at this point to root and grow its roots deep and grow up and provide beautiful flourishing. You know what sort of tree doesn't look like that? A tree that's planted in 2021. Because when things are planted and build roots and dig down, they have the time and space to grow and flourish and be beautiful. Friends, would you persevere with us? If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, hear me, we are so, so glad that you're here. And we hope that you keep coming because we'd love to process questions with you about Jesus and his claims or about the gospel or about the church. And one of the best ways to actually wrestle with the claims of Jesus is by coming to church because church is the tangible presence of God here on earth. And we'd love to walk with you as you wrestle with your questions and doubts. For those of you who aren't members of a local church, Listen, we're convinced church membership is actually God's grace to you, and it's so important. And we think that you should be part of a, a church. And, and I hope that it's here. But if it's not here, listen, for whatever, for whatever reason it's not here, please find a place where you can plant your life. 
where you can be a member. There are other great gospel preaching churches in the area, but, do, but don't stay on the sidelines. Don't just date the church. Plug your lives in somewhere. And for those of you who are members of this church, I hope you'd consider leaning in further and rooting your life here. Commit to a countercultural picture of Christianity and jump in all in with us. As you, if you do your membership renewal, as you do your membership renewal, don't just fill out a form online, but see your commitment as a way in which the Lord is actually forming you into greater maturity and to greater faithfulness. So church membership is an invitation to live and grow in grace with other believers. Let's pray.